Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is Julie Bates with the podcast, Training the Pointing Labrador, episode number 214. And today's episode is going to be a, a small announcement on a minor change in my world and a discussion about uh, interactions with dogs that I I think is very important. So I want to take this opportunity. I hope this isn't going to be a, as, quite as long as most of them are. But the first thing I want to talk about is the dog thing. And it's when people are, I don't, even if you just own a dog and it's just a pet and it exists in the house with you in the backyard or, or, or whether it's what many people who are listening to this are, very competitive people, you know, that are running various competitive events with their dogs of any sort, really. I mean, any sort. I think one of the things that I would love to implant in people's minds, both from the beginning when they bring an eight-week-old puppy home, really starting then, and then throughout the the upbringing of the puppy, and the uh, you know what eventually whatever kind of work if you if you have some work in mind for these guys, when you begin to be to, to start some of that with them, one of the things that I have found makes all of that much easier, much more successful, much more reality-based. Uh, it is an important aspect to just hold in your thoughts all the time when you're working with the dogs. Now, most of us, many of us, when we get our puppies, one, there is virtually nothing cuter than an eight-week-old puppy of any kind. And the puppy breath and the big eyes and, you know, and, and you people, we just fall in love with them, which is fine. And then we tend to see everything they do, they do through the blinders of how much this means to us or remembering the dogs we've had before and how much that meant to us. And so there's all of this emotion that we put into this work. Nothing wrong with that. As long as you're aware that that's what you're doing, is doing, you know, I do the same thing myself. But at least I, you know, I know that and I try and, and make sure that I understand what, what actions I take and what interpretations I'm making. I'm, I'm making them realistically, not based through the, the uh, rose-colored glasses of love and, oh, this is such a great, great dog. But this, this single statement that I would like everyone to just pin on the inside of their glasses when they're working with dogs is, when you watch your dog, little puppy, medium puppy, older dog, whatever, when you're watching those things, when you watch the body and the actions of the dog, you are getting a picture of what is going on inside of their brain. And this is actually extremely important. But when you just watch your dog, let's say the dog's just out in the backyard and it's running around with another dog or it's all by itself and you watch what it, what it does. How it, is it moving at all or is it just sitting there? <laughs> okay, that's, that's important. It, uh, is it chasing make-believe things around? You know, is it just walking calmly? Is it looking off into the branches of the trees? Whatever you see your dog doing, the, the physical gyrations or lack thereof that they go through is a strong representation of what's going on inside their brain. So when you are teaching an animal anything, and when you're with the animal, just as a pet, you are still teaching it something. When you have your nine-week-old puppy tearing the living room up and you can hardly wait till it's old enough to train, it is, and you are teaching it something. 
And that's important to, to be aware of. So just because you're not formally training does not mean you're not training because just like a, a, a human child, you know, they're not in school yet, but they're learning all the time. They're learning about sights and sounds and who you are and interactions and, and what things mean. And they're learning all the time. And so are puppies. They are learning all the time. And when you watch their actions, they are reflecting what's going on in their head. So that is the thing to which you want to respond, to which you want to, uh, to you want to use that to decide what kind of actions you're going you're gonna to take to teach this dog, to dis understand what kind of dog you actually have. Okay, so there's dogs, and uh, this is a mostly a retriever thing. I hope there's a lot of other people on here but are hunting dogs. But So when we get these little guys, and let's just use a retriever, right? Presumably we got it because we're going to hunt or we're going to compete or we just love them and we want to do the retriever stuff. So you, that, you know what you want ultimately to ask out of this dog, particularly if you're competitive, right? This dog needs to focus. This dog needs to think. This dog needs to be clear on what, what the work is. Now, also in every other aspect of their life, we want the same thing, <laughs> believe it or not. You know, you want your dog to come in the door respectively and not just tear the, the wood floor up as they go careening around and jumping on the furniture. Right? We want them to be good citizens and enjoyable to have around. That requires that they think and be focused and be aware of what, where the lines are in the sand, what's okay for them to do and what's not. And so to teach them that, which starts from the beginning, whether you intend it or not, watch what the dog's body is doing in, in all kinds of situations. When it first gets up in the morning, when you take it outside, when you let it out of the kennel, when you take it for a walk, when you throw something or put the leash on it to do something. What, what is this dog's reaction? What is the body doing? And when you see that, that tells you what the mind is doing. Now, if you, let's say you've got a little puppy and you want to want to leash break it so you can, you know, take it into the vet's office or walk it down the street. So you put a leash on it around its a little collar and leash, whatever. You know, I, I'm not going to do not the, the harnesses everybody uses. You know, if you're going to go run Iditarod, go for that. If you're not that, I do not like what that teaches a dog, which is just basically lug as hard as you can. So if you're going to leash break your dog, you put the little leash and collar on it. Okay, what happens right there? I mean, just what happens? It might do nothing. It might just sit there like, okay. It might, you know, get kind of curious and pull on it and see what this is all about. It might do like if any of you were listening in the days of Naked as a puppy and I put a leash on her and she basically went absolutely ninja crazy on me, flipping upside down, throwing herself on her back. It was as if I'd put a boa constrictor around her neck and she was going to die. And so that told me a lot about how her head works, particularly a new situation, something that's physical. And she literally kind of blew up at that. That tells me about what's inside the dog's head. And that's going to be information that I will be able to use every other time when I do new things. Further, I will learn from this how when the craziness happens, how do I get out of that? How do we get through that? I'm not out of it. it if it's going to happen, you've got to work through it and move past it. You've got to do that. So 
<laughs> so, you know, if they go crazy, it's like, okay, her mind is very, uh, it's a little unstable and it overreacts. And so I take that into account. And let's say you have another dog and let's just go the other end of that spectrum. You put it on their, around their neck and they just sit there. And then so you go, all right, little thing, let's go. And you start to pull it and it just sits there, right? And then when you, you really start to kind of pull, come on, let's go. Dog just sits there, just sits there. And so then you're going to have to actually make it move. And when you do, it just resists. It just pulls, puts the brakes on, digs the paws into the ground and just doesn't move. So what does that tell you about that dog? Now, assuming everything in the dog's life is normal and regular, it, it just means that when something new and unexpected happens like this, it just, it just evacuates. It just leaves. In other words, the mind just sort of shuts down. It's not sitting in there creating an argument. No, I don't want to do this. You have something around my neck. I've never had that. None of that's not what's happening. Nothing is happening. The dog is not thinking anything. And therefore, we aren't really teaching anything. And you have a dog that when presented with something new or that whatever impact it has on the dog, their thing is to just completely shut down. Right? So you aren't going to do the same thing with that dog that you are with Naked, who's flipping up and down in the air and throwing herself on her back. You know, that's a highly emotional, high, highly reactive thing to which you have to react the opposite, right? You have to react the opposite. You can't feed into that and make it worse. So when she did that, I just continued to walk. And when she flipped herself on her back, I just jerked on the chain, down the leash, you know, going, you're, you're still going to come, sweetie. So, and finally, after about a half a mile, she did. And so on the little one that just shuts down, okay, we're, we're not going to get mad or mean or quit or take it off or give in. You know, we're just going to have to do little jerks and go, come on, little buddy. I don't care. Get a treat out. You know, I don't ever use those things. Use that sparingly. You know, throw a ball, do something, do something on the other kind of lighthearted fun end to get the little guy to, to go. But you have to work through it, right? But that told you something about that dog, what their mind does when it something new, it just locks down. Now, these kind of things that happen early on in small stages are meaningful because later on when you do more advanced training, if you do, or just ask more of the dog, you may be met with that exact response again because that's how their mind works. And so it's very good for you to know as the owner or trainer of this dog, how that mind works. Now there's a lot of, let's, let's go in the middle. Let's say you put the leash on the little puppy and it's kind of like alarmed. Oh, what is this? Jumps up and down, pulls back, gets a feel of the leash. You tell it to come along and kind of do a little jerk and it comes along and then it gets worried and it pulls back. And, and after about a hundred yards, you guys are just walking together a little bit. Okay. That tells you a lot about what that dog thinks. You know, so it's, it's unnerved. There's something new. Not sure how they feel about it. They're open though. They're still interacting with you. They, when they think they understand something, they're trying a little bit. It winds up working out and they wind up happy and you're happy. Okay, that tells you about that dog. All just by what the body has done and how they react to things. And that's probably going to be how most of the rest of your training is going to be. So if you can just watch the dog, you know what's on their mind. Now, in a competitive, let's do a retriever event, since that's what most of us are. 
You ever watch some dogs coming out of the holding blind, walking in the line? Like they're going to have to eat a skunk, right? They're not looking forward to this. So right now, you can kind of tell, you know, and there could be a lot of reasons for that. You know, it could be that they really don't like it and believe what you see, or it could be that the training has been kind of tough and they associate this more with getting in trouble than they do fun, right? So that tells you what's on their mind. You don't know why sometimes they feel that way, but you can tell what they're feeling just by the way that they are behaving. On the other end of that spectrum, <laughs> have you ever, I have some of these, you're in the holding blind and they say dog to the line and you come out, dog comes out and as much as you've worked, you know, they still are already on the line ahead of you and they're already facing some direction. They're already way ahead of the game. It, that's not funny um, unless it's somebody else, right? But so you can tell that dog is not, is not tamped down at all. Probably needs to be a little more tamped down, but you can tell they're extremely excited about what they're going to do and they just can't even follow the rules of getting to the line because, and then there's those that are in between where the balance is pretty good. They really want to go, but they're going to still follow the rules. Tells you what's in their head and often tells you how, if they're kind of unfocused and a little bit wild and crazy, then they might be when they're out running marks or handling on a blind, a little bit unfocused and, and you know, not responding or not working with you as much as you want. But you can tell all that by what their bodies are doing. It tells you what's in their head. If a dog goes to the line and there's multiple stations out there and their head is just swinging all over the place and their toes are moving, that's what's inside their head. And if, you, if it works for you, great. If it doesn't work for you, that's the kind of thing you have to go after. You have to go after what is in their head. And the first thing you have to do is understand what, one, what's in their head. Two, is it just like, it, it starts from the puppy thing. So you watch that little puppy. The puppy just sat there, just shut down. They just shut down because they had no clue what was happening and really didn't want to and didn't know what to do. And so they just stopped. So when you watch puppies tell you who they are by their actions, then you can adapt what you're training and how you're training and what you're doing to take that into account and deal with that without getting angry, without using excessive pressure, you know, without giving up and quitting and not trying hard enough or any of that. You learn that and then as you go through your training program, that becomes kind of an automatic adjustment you have. But when people's dogs get out of, a, out of their rig to go do something and they're just wild and crazy and all over the place, um, that's where their head is. And is that what you want? And if it's not, then you might want to take whatever actions you have learned over time training this dog uh, to get into, you know, whatever you do. There's so many ways where you go, but what you want to do is get into their head. Don't go out there and just hit them with a choke chain that somebody did at an event recently because the dog isn't in the right state of mind. That, that's kind of prison brutality. Instead, you should know that dog well enough and see that they're, what, what their head is doing, you know, and if they're a little bit worried, then you address that. And if they're a little bit not concerned at all about anything or focused, you might want to address that. And in regular life, right, that's very important. Dogs that become in regular life, like barkers at the window and they're tearing the blinds down and they're just going nutso because the mailman came by or somebody walked by the, the place, that's, those dogs showed you that stuff way early 
you know, this kind of maniacal reaction to something in their territory or something that looked a certain way or whatever. They have some trigger that makes them do that. They'll tell you that real early. And that's when you can start to go after certain triggers that makes dogs do funny things before it becomes a massive problem. But then you have to pay attention. And when the dog triggers and goes from one state to another real rapidly, okay, you've got one that's got some triggers in there and you do need to go in there and create a new behavior in response to that trigger, which is a teaching thing. You know, there's things like if somebody comes to the door, how many times have I heard, boy, if the doorbell goes off or, you know, my dog goes crazy. So you can, when you first learn that or see that particular trigger happening, you know, then go do some practices where your partner goes in there and rings the doorbell and then you make the dog automatically crate or get on the rug or do something until instead of triggering the maniacal tearing barking at the door, you trigger that they go into the crate. It might take you weeks and months to get that, but then you have it have it addressed but you're de talking dealing with what is in that dog's head instead of necessarily just the overt behavior and then you can use that in a lot of other places where triggers go off and you know people get mad and then you hire someone to come in and they have this one thing you do about this one behavior when really you have this particular mindset occur in a number of places so it's better to deal with the root of the problem, which is what's in their head, than it is the overt physical action at the time. And it, at least if I can get people to just think about that a little bit, it's, it's a lot more humane with the animal, but it, most of all, it's genuine and it's authentically dealing with what's happening and understanding it and being a little bit better of a dog owner sometimes. And this goes, I could sit here for examples forever, but at least to get people, concern yourself with what's in that dog's head. and. You don't have to read it, air quotes there, like everybody says. Watch their behavior and their physical actions, and that will tell you what is inside their head. And if you don't know how to interpret it, just keep watching, and in enough times, and you will be able to interpret it. So that's the kind of the lecture on this stuff today. I just think that's an incredibly important thing, and apparently difficult to do, because most people just look at the the overt action and go, oh, that's a bad dog. We need to keep him from doing that instead of, you know, what is in that dog's head that's making him do that stuff and how do I change that? So that's that part. The other part is I'm going to make a, a, a little bit of an announcement. So I am going, the podcast continues. The podcast goes on. I dearly love this thing and I'm going to do it for quite a while, I hope. Um, got another uh, book uh, that I am have been working on but not now I'm going to do a little bit more of that but I am going to my ex-husband has bought out my uh, part of the property and the training operation and all that so for the time being at least I am not going to be training dogs after the next uh, I'm going to finish off the dogs that I have right now and they'll all go home and I won't be here and I won't be training dogs here any longer so that'll and I'm still president of the APLA and I'm still going to be got my heart in that totally be working on that stuff but I won't be actively campaigning at least early spring or whatever I'm not sure where I'm going to go or what I'm going to do because this I wasn't expecting this this wasn't really the plan but so my training is going to be over here for a while um, 
but everything else will still stay stay the same and maybe now I can take a little bit of time and and get on and finish off the next book that I was kind of wanting to do so I wanted everybody to know that so if you're just a podcast listener nothing's any different except I won't be able to complain about my current crop of dogs here shortly because I won't have any um kind of a new thing in life I've been doing well dogs all my life absolutely all my life professionally for 32 years and always before that so a little bit different change also in case there's anybody interested I don't know how many people this reaches um, because I'm going to be leaving right here and I I'm going to be selling my 10 hole Ainley trailer it's in very good shape Um, 10 holes big water tank storage locking gun storage all that stuff Uh, I'm going to be putting that on the market so if any of my good friends through here are interested in a a very nice uh, Ainley 10 hole and it's going to be 24 that's what I'm asking for it because it's in very good shape and and actually doesn't have a ton of miles on it either brand new tires really nice but I'd like it to go to a good home um, <clears throat> so anyway that's my announcement for everything and most of all I hope those of you that are serious trainers paid attention to that first part because that's a real powerful thing particularly if you're working with a dog that's a little bit outside the lines you know, you just pounding on them usually isn't the answer. It's really good to understand what's going on in their head. So that's my offering for today. Um, all my dogs are at a hunt test again this weekend. Um, doing really well. G was in season for three weeks, smack dab in the middle of the season. Very disappointing. But she's going to be able to run the last two APLA tests. So we're going to get close to that four time, I hope. Um, her sister probably ought to get it and all the other guys that have been campaigning all this so it's been a really good year and uh, I just appreciate all of my clients and the dogs and the people and and I just love all you guys please know that and I'm not going away I just won't be driving my 10 hold Ainley trailer all over the place for the time being so wishing everybody the best safe hunting keep your dogs in shape be safe and I'll be back next week